And uh, tonight, I am just going to lay it all out for you. I'm going to get really honest. I mean, I am, ex- you know, anybody that thinks there's anything behind, uh, you know, being Baptist, there's any type of secrecy or anything, I mean, I'm just, you know, maybe there is. I'm, I'm laying it out for you tonight. I'm going to tell you how it is. I am going to, uh, you know, just be completely honest and tell you how I feel in certain areas. I'm going to use an honesty that most people probably don't use. I uh, said there's a lot of problems that we have and things that we do. We just we're not willing to admit. And as I was studying this, I caught, found myself just admitting a lot of stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah, I do this. Yep, I I'm doing that too. And uh, and I thought, you know, I'm just you know, I'm just going to kind of confess it tonight. I'm going to lay it out there, and hopefully, it'll help you just kind of understand how things work sometimes with Baptists. Some of the things that causes us to fight amongst other Christians and things. I, I think. Uh, so I think this will be a help. Hopefully, uh, I don't know if I'll, I'll get through all of this tonight. This might be a two-parter because there's a lot of stuff I want to share with you. But uh, before uh, we kind of go into what all we're going to be talking about, we need to re- we're going to read through Galatians chapter two. In Galatians chapter two, I read over this chapter I don't know how many times, just trying to make sure I got it all, trying to make sure that I understood it all. And that I'm that I'm preaching it right, and because I was um, said some questions I had, something I was really wanting the Lord to show me, and I believe uh, the answer that I was looking for, and the the true answer was found here in Galatians chapter two. And so I want us to read uh, Galatians chapter two together, and then I'm just I'm going to kind of add some commentary in as we go. But this chapter here, if you read chapter one, we're not going to read all of chapter one before that. But this is 14 years after Paul got saved. Okay, this is 14 years. If you want an idea of the timeline, what had been going on, and then because it says right here in Galatians 2:1, then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Okay, Now you might remember back in Acts chapter 16, Paul had Timothy circumcised. But that was with Timothy, it was because he wanted him to be accepted by the Jews. And when it came to Timothy, Timothy was half Jew, wasn't he? His mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. And so he'd be accepted among the Jews. He had him circumcised. Okay, and understand that for Paul and for Timothy to do that, it was not a sin for him to do that. Okay, because right here it almost looks like we're going to see kind of a contradiction, like Paul was kind of going against what he did back then. But it was a little different with Timothy. He was half Jewish, and there was nothing wrong. You know, it wasn't a sin for him to do that. And so, then in verse 4, but that with Titus, he didn't. Titus was a Greek. Titus didn't have any Jewish blood. So, with the Jews, it wasn't going to matter if he had him do that at all. He, he was a Greek. And then in verse 4, it says, And that because of false brethren, unwares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ, that they might bring us into bondage. 
Okay, what was that liberty they were trying to spy out? It was that liberty from that ceremonial law. You know, they didn't have to be circumcised. Uh, you know, as Gentiles, they didn't have to do that anymore. They didn't have to keep those feasts and all those things that were, you know, traditions, things that the Jews loved, things that they sometimes made way too big of a deal about. And they, we see throughout the New Testament how many Jews, whenever they would get saved, they would always try to bring in some of those Jewish traditions, wouldn't they? And sometimes, in the case here, these were these weren't even saved people. They were false brethren. And they came in there unawares, privily, and they're just trying to spy out that liberty so they could criticize it, go against it, try to take away that liberty to bring them back into bondage, try to get them, you know, keep trying to keep all those laws and traditions. But then in verse 5 it says, To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul and Titus and Barnabas, or Paul and Titus, Paul wasn't influenced at all. He said we didn't give them anything. Uh, we did not we did not do what they wanted us to do. And then in verse six, but of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth of no man's person, for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. In other words, he didn't worry he wasn't trying to figure out where these people came from. Okay, so in other words, I guess in our language you know, he wasn't trying to find out you know, what Bible college they came from so he could come to all kinds of conclusions about them. And you know, we do that today amongst Baptists. And unfortunately, while it might not be completely fair, it works most of the time. If you ask somebody, hey, what Bible college did you go to? A lot of times that tells you almost everything you need to know about them. And so, is that 100% right? No. Is it fair? No. <laughs> But people do that. And that's one of the first questions you get asked as a preacher all the time by other preachers. They want to know what Bible college you went to. Why? So they can know who you are and what you are and what you think and, and what you believe. And it, it usually works. But Paul, he wasn't interested in that. He didn't try to he wasn't trying to find out. And it says in verse seven, but contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go into the heathen and they into the circumcision. We talked about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school. Notice how it's talking about the distinguishing between the Jew and the Gentile. Or in this case, the heathen and the circumcision. We've got... Two groups that we're talking about here. Okay, and we'll say a little bit more about that. And then in verse 10, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was, I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Alright, we got some fighting going on amongst the preachers. Wow, that's, you know, that's never happened since then, has it? Okay, that's, that's pretty common. And so Paul and Peter, they kind of get into a heated discussion here. And Paul, I mean, in front of everybody, he withstands them to the face and he calls them out on what he had done. Well, what, did, what did Peter do? Verse 12, For before that certain came from James, he did, that certain talking about those Jews that came in unawares, those false brethren, he did eat with the Gentiles. Before they came, Peter would eat with the Gentiles. 
But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. He was afraid of upsetting those false brethren. That Paul said were false brethren under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, Peter's like, oh no, I, I, I can't be seen with these Gentiles anymore. Trying to impress the Jews. And in verse 13, "...and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation." In other words, their hypocrisy. There's another word for that. Peter was basically being a hypocrite by pretending you know, he didn't eat with Gentiles by pretending he was separate from them. He was being a hypocrite. And some of the others got caught up in that. They let these Jews come in and influence them. And even Barnabas, who was a very close friend of Paul, got caught up in it and caught himself acting all holier than the Gentiles and separated themselves. And then in verse 14, "...but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the Gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews?" Okay, So Peter, he was being intimidated by these impressive phonies to try to get the Gentile believers to adopt the Jewish traditions. And so Paul, you know, what Paul's saying here, you know, if you being a Jew live after the Gentiles, okay? You've been living like the Gentiles before, and you've not been living like the Jews, so why do you feel like you need to try to get the Gentiles to be like the Jews? You know, and obviously that wasn't something uh, he was supposed to do. That wasn't something he was that Peter was required to do, or it was, it was something he shouldn't have done. And then in verse 15, and this is the verse I really want us to pay attention to and notice, and he says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And remember, justification is not salvation. Okay, Justification is what proves that we are saved. And what proves that we are saved? Romans 5.9, the blood of Christ. That is our justification. That is proof we're saved. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Okay, That's our justification. And so, by the works of the law, nobody's justified by that. It's, you don't prove you're saved by the works of the law. It's by the blood of Christ. And so, now, that's something we always need to remember. Then verse 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we, are, we ourselves also are found sinners... Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. See, if justification is by the works of the law, then Christ would be a minister of sinners because we all still transgress the law, don't we? We all still sin. And that's what he's talking about there in verse 17. Verse 18, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. See, when we make things about the works of the law, what we're basically communicating to people is that we are separating ourselves from Christ and depending on the works of the law. See, when in these religions and groups that make 
salvation all about keeping all these works, making it about baptism, making it about sacraments, making it about good works, they're separating themselves from Christ. Okay, our salvation, it's all about Christ, isn't it? It's about the blood of Christ. He saved us. He paid for our sins. His blood justifies us. The Holy Spirit seals us. It's all about Him. And so, for us to go and build doctrines and traditions and making things all about the works of the law, we're basically distancing ourselves from Christ. And we uh, we ought to know better than that. Peter should have known better than that. But he got he got caught up into I think wanting to impress these folks. You know, them Jews they were able to be pretty impressive. They had, you know, they had a lot of money. We see in the Bible that was where all the money was at. Everybody wants to impress the money. But then in verse 19 it says, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. See, if our salvation has anything to do with the works of the law, then Jesus died on the cross for absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on. And so, basically to sum up Galatians 2, there was a group of unbelievers that were successfully getting good Christians. Okay, Peter, Barnabas, they were getting good Christians. Some of the apostles to basically practice hypocrisy by making religion more about the works of the law that cannot save but bring us into bondage rather than the faith of Jesus Christ. And it was something, this same practice, I believe, sometimes goes on in churches today. Making things more about the works of the law. Churches are being divided and taken over by people who are trying to bring traditions in that are cultural and they're not biblical. They're cultural, not biblical. And I want you to look back at verse 15 again because this is what I want to focus on. Notice that phrase that he said in there, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Was he saying that Jews aren't sinners by nature? Because uh, you know that would contradict quite a bit of Bible, wouldn't it? I mean, are Jews not natural sinners like us Gentiles? No, that's not what he's saying. And I and once this kind of goes with our Sunday school lesson we looked at this morning. But in um, go to Romans chapter two. Go to Romans chapter two. I want us to I want us to look at a few verses in there. We covered these in Sunday school, but I want to cover them again tonight. It's important that we understand what's going on here. But uh, Romans two verse twenty eight says, "For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly." Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. So, so there's people who make a big deal out of somebody being a Jew on the outside. Okay, They're a physical Jew, but the Bible says they're not a Jew. It's one who is one inwardly. But then, when you go to the next chapter, look at what it says here in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way chiefly. 
Because unto them were committed the oracles of God. And we don't have time to go through all of chapter 3. But basically, one of the things that we see in the Bible, and there's many more verses. We don't have time to go into all of them right now. We might go into some more later. But one thing that we see in the Bible is there was a huge difference between somebody who was a Jew and a Gentile. Pretty much anybody who wasn't a Jew. What was the difference? The difference was the Jews had the law. They had the word of God. So think about it. There was it was kind of it was kind of an advantage for someone back then. If you were a Jew and you got saved, well, really, when you stop and think about it, not a whole lot. You didn't need to be taught a whole lot, did you? You already knew the thing. You know the Ten Commandments, didn't you? You knew those Old Testament laws. And I'm not talking about the ceremonial ones, but I'm talking about the laws of morality and things. You knew those things. You understood them. So you didn't have to be taught, you know, not to commit adultery. You already knew all that. And I want to compare, I believe we can compare the Jews from that time to basically many Americans today. Because one thing, I mean, it's a lot different now. But one thing that is very clear is early on in our history, the Bible was a huge part of our culture, wasn't it? A huge part of our culture. There was a time when, I mean, you know, biblical morality, it was something that was not just practiced by Christians. There was a time when lost people were embarrassed if they had a son or a daughter that was living with somebody outside of marriage. It was embarrassing for them, wasn't it? I mean, they were humiliated by those things. If there was a, you know, if someone had a child out of wedlock that was lost, they were embarrassed by that, weren't they? That, why? Because society frowned on that kind of thing. Well, where did they get that law from? Where did they get those rules from? From the Bible. You know, and unfortunately, there came a point where there was a lot of morality without actually having Christ in their heart. And if you don't have Christ in your heart, well, then you know the works of the law are only going to get you so far. But I believe in church. I believe today that we have a lot of people who culturally are a lot like the Jews. Myself, for example, when I got saved as a young boy, well, I got saved in the home of a Baptist preacher. I didn't. When I got saved, it wasn't like some folks. I didn't have to give up my drinking. I didn't have to give up my smoking. I didn't have to go, you know, get married to this, you know, woman I was shacking up with. I mean, I didn't have, you know, four kids from four different women. I didn't have all that stuff to deal with, did I? And in the Bible, we don't have time to look at all of it, but that was that kind of thing was very common amongst the Gentiles, wasn't it? Why? Because they didn't have the law. They didn't practice the law. And therefore, I mean, it's always referring to different things that, you know, that's something that the Gentiles do. But Jews don't do those things. Why? Because it was not a part of their culture. There was a huge cultural difference between Jews and Gentiles. And today in America, there's, there's a lot of people that culturally are Christians that aren't saved. And need to get saved. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how good your culture is, you're still going to go to hell. But then, today in America, unfortunately, we are turning out a completely heathen culture like we read about in the Bible. There is a completely heathen culture. There are people today, many people in our own community, that are living in adultery or fornication and they're not ashamed of it one bit. 
I mean, we have, live in a country today where there's same-sex marriage and people aren't ashamed of it one bit. They're proud of it. There are pe- and there are people today that if you uh, that visit churches that have they visited churches, they're shacking up with each other. They want to join the church, and then when you tell them, hey, if you want to be a member of the church, you need you know the shacking up things not going to work. You guys are basically living in a fornicating lifestyle, and it will shock people. What? They've never heard of that. They don't even know it's a problem. I mean, and, and you know what? It's not a problem in a lot of churches. Yeah, you can join. I mean, that's how goofed up our society is and our culture is. And one thing we see in the Bible is there were so there was two completely different cultures, weren't there? And we also see that whenever people would get saved, they would always bring some of their culture into the church, wouldn't they? They would bring, and it's just, it was going on back then, and it's going on back now. And listen, not everything that's cultural is bad. Okay? There are some things that are cultural that are bad. And, you know, one of the, for example, I do not believe in racism. Okay? In other words, you know, I've been, the more I study this idea of racism from the Bible, I don't even believe racism exists. In other words, I say that because there's only the human race. So, it's impossible to beat racists when, unless you just don't like humans, okay? Because we're all humans. Now, there is prejudice, for sure. But I don't think we should call it racism. There's clearly prejudice. There's people that will look at somebody and they don't like them because they are from a different culture. But really, you know, so there are, if we're honest, there are things about other cultures that we just don't like, aren't there? Yeah, you know, I think most people that maybe, for example, that don't like black people, I don't think it's because of the color of their skin, okay? Because really, if people didn't like somebody because they had darker colored skin, then why are tanning places so popular? You know, why are white people always trying to get darker? You know, okay. Obviously, we don't have a problem with darker skin, do we? I mean, if we really hated somebody because of the color of their skin, wouldn't we all want to be like these pale white skinheads that you see around? It? You know, they, you know, those people probably do just because of the color of their skin. But the truth is, you know, that's not why. The reason most people don't like maybe black folks or whatever is because they don't like something in the culture. And there's some things in cultures that it's okay not to like. Okay, there's some cultures in our country. That, you know, when their parents get, or not in our country, in other countries and other parts of the world, where when their parents get old, they go and leave them at the river and just abandon them. Like you'd abandon a dog or something. There are some cultures that eat people. Hey, we don't have to like that, do we? We don't have to respect that because those things are clearly violations of the Word of God, aren't they? And so, you know, it's okay. But also in churches today, and this is what I want to talk about a little bit, in churches today, there are different cultures. Much of what we do in church today is cultural. Okay, for example, you think if we went back in time and went to one of Paul's church services, we went to his church service on Sunday morning, when do you think it started at 11 o'clock like we do? Do you think they had Sunday school at 10 o'clock? Service at eleven o'clock, and then when they had service, you know, do you think Paul probably, you know, started off with a hymn, had everybody shake hands, and then sang another hymn, did announcements, you know, sang another hymn, did an offering hymn, special music, 
Do you think they did, that he did that? Probably not. But, so then why do we do that here? Why do we have the, type, the service set up the way we have it here? Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's the way they did it at my dad's church. That's what I grew up around. We did the same thing. We, when somebody has a birthday here, we'll have somebody stand up and say something nice about that person. Why do we do that? I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. But we did that at my dad's church. You know why they did it over there? We were at my uncle's church years ago. And they were doing it there. My dad's like, that's a good idea. We're going to do that at our church. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. We're going to do that here. When we first started the church here, every first Sunday of the month, I think it was, we were having, we'd have a guest speaker in fellowship. Brother Jason down in Quincy was telling him, he's awesome, man, thanks, that was a great idea. He does that at his church. Why? Not because it's in the Bible. Because he heard I was doing it. You know? And a lot of what we do today in church, it's totally cultural. If we're just to, if we're honest, and but many and many preachers today they like to start fights and things. They're starting them over hobby horses that they want everybody to accept. Just because you know, a lot of these guys they'll go preach all over the country about a certain hobby horse that they're riding. They'll write books about it, and if they're successful, they'll sell a lot of books. They'll get a whole lot of guest speaking meetings where they'll go and they'll rant and rave about something that's completely cultural. That has nothing to do with something that's in the Bible. And I'm telling you right now, amongst Baptists today, and it's been going on for years, there are some culture wars going on that are absolutely ridiculous. And listen, you know, and so the, I believe what's going on, what they're pushing, if we really pay attention to what they're fighting about and what's going on, they're fighting over something that's cultural instead of what's biblical. So how you know and how do we know this? You know what do I mean? By, what is it that I mean by cultural? Well, definition of cultural: it's the behaviors and beliefs, characteristics of a particular social, ethnic, or age group. Okay, it's just you know we live in a culture. You know, there's a Rock Falls culture, I guess you could say, and you know we live in it. And I think you all know what I'm talking about with that. But Galatians two fifteen. Remember how he mentions, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, their cultures were different. Okay? They had a different culture. They were all sinners. Okay? We see that in Romans chapter 3, that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We might get into some of those verses. It goes along with this real well. But you see, the laws of the Jews, or the laws of God became, they came more naturally to the Jews because that was part of their culture. And the, and the Bible is always talking about those differences. And so I believe just like it was back then, today we've got the religious people, those who grew up in a Christian home where Christian principles were practiced, and then you've got the heathen. Those who grew up without any type of religious practice or teaching from the Bible. And both groups need to be saved. You read Romans chapter 3, verses 1-10. through 10. They've all been concluded under sin. They've all sinned. I mean, you, you can see that clearly in Romans chapter 3. All cultures are sinners. All cultures need to be saved. And that is just the way, I mean, that is clear throughout the Bible. And in the Bible, Jews constantly tried bringing their Jewish customs, make them part of the church. In history, we can see the Catholics, how they did the same thing when they brought paganism and idolatry into the church. And today, we see 
the world bringing in worldliness into the church through things like Christian rock. Okay, That's totally cultural, isn't it? Through just the fleshly entertainment, the clothing. You know, the, and then most of what we see in church service today, it is, it's based on the culture there. Alright? And so how do we identify what cultures are okay and what aren't? Because I'm not going to stand up here and tell you all cultures are good. Some cultures are bad. And I'm, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you too that there's churches out there that aren't exactly like we are in culture that I don't believe are wrong. I believe they're good churches. I believe they're fine. I don't believe they're going against the Bible. But really, so what defines a culture of a church? Because the truth is, really three things. The culture of the church, I believe mostly it's defined by the pastor. Okay? Because, you know, he's the one up there doing most of the talking and preaching all the messages. And a lot of that culture is defined by the pastor. And then, the church members. The people that are in that church. And then, you can just look up the makeup of the makeup of the community, okay? Depending on where they're from. And there are some clear differences. And most of the things that people in Baptist churches, I don't know what goes on in the other churches, but the things we're fighting about are cultural standards and not biblical ones. Okay, and so there's clearly differences. If you go down south, okay, I probably wouldn't be real popular down south because I don't know, it seems like down south they like the screamers down there. Okay? And I'm just not a screen, that's, that's not me. And, but, and it would be phony of me to go down south and just to get up there and be yelling and screaming and turning red and doing that breathing thing. I can't even do it, that breathing thing they do. I don't know how they do that. I've never learned that trick. But they all do it down there. Why? It's cultural. That's, that's the way they do it down there. And I would be a phony to go down there and try to do that. I know, I know a preacher that is from the north. He has more of a northern accent than I do, and he had moved down farther south and was trying to become go into evangelism and he had put these sermons online that he had preached. That he'd preached in his own house. You could tell he's in his house, nobody's there. He he did fake invitations in it where all kinds of people were walking the aisles and getting saved. I mean it was I'm not I'm not lying. It was the most phony thing I ever heard in my life. And the whole time Almost the whole time, he had a southern accent. I'm like, what? He does not talk like that. And he's talking with a southern accent and, and just, you know, going all the town and just, you know, preaching and acting just like a southern preacher. And then, and every once in a while, he would like all of a sudden be back in his northern accent. And it was like he realized, oh, wait a minute. And then you go back to the southern accent again. And then oh, it was just, it was absolutely the fakest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm just, I'm listening, I'm cracking up. It was that funny. Trying to pretend he was something he wasn't. I'm not like that, okay? But I don't think it's wrong. I, I enjoy, I mean, there's, there's other, there's other cultures that I like, okay, that I enjoy, but it's not me. I love going down south and watching preachers just get up and go crazy and start screaming, and you don't even know what they're even screaming about. I don't even know if they know what they're screaming about, but the crowd is just going nuts. You know, the crowd's going wild. I, this is so, this is hilarious, but, you know, I always like listening to Phil Kidd preach. And Phil Kidd, you know, he likes, if you ever heard him, boy, you know, he goes on some rants that are pretty good. And he was, there's one message where he was preaching, and he was preaching to teenage boys, and he's telling them, you know, when you're, when you're looking for a wife, he's like, when you go over to her house and she makes dinner, you know, she, see if she gets her fat, lazy carcass up from the table to go help her mom to clean. 
If she just lays back like a turkey having a seizure or beached well on the couch, don't have her. She's a slob. She's fat. She'll blow up like a beach whale. She'll never keep your house clean. Your kids will always be dirty. And think, how do you have all that memorized? I made a ringtone out of it. <laughs> I made a ringtone out of that rant. I just I loved hearing it. And I, I actually use that as an alarm to wake me up a few times. And my wife did not appreciate that very much. I mean, just imagine waking up in the morning. She's a slob. She's fat. She'll blow up like it was. It was hilarious. I used to play it for people. They thought it was great. And I don't do that. Okay? That's just not me. And you know, there's preachers that would probably look at somebody like me and say, oh, you're a compromiser. You know, you're scared of your people. That's just not me. And the truth is, if I preach like some of those guys up here where I'm just yelling and screaming and waving my arms and going crazy and not saying much of anything, I don't know I could get a whole lot of people here. That just doesn't go real well in our culture. And I don't see in the Bible where we you know, have to scream where people can hardly understand us and where we have to you know, make fun of the size of women. And I, just, I don't see that in the Bible. Okay, It's, it's different. And, but at the same time, one of the reasons he was probably preaching that way, if you listen to the crowd... They were, man, just cheering them on, yelling and shouting. There's this guy's woman, David! We used to hear it. You know, that was kind of at the end of the thing that was so funny. And, you know, if I was preaching around people like that all the time, basically cheering me on to do that, it might change me. I might end up doing it. So if you all like that, just, you know, start whooping and hollering and, you know, it, it, it just might get me motivated. I just might do it. There's churches where you go up down south, it seems like you go down there and the folks, they like to get up and run around and scream and have a good time and jump in baptistries and, I mean, just all, I, I've seen it. You know, I've seen it on, not in person. I saw it on a video. But I don't really know for sure that that's necessarily wrong. But can you imagine that here? We don't really fit that, do we? That's not really how it works in our culture. And you know, it would be wrong for some southern preacher to come up here and try to make all of you start doing that. And it would be wrong for me to maybe start running with those preachers and think, man, you know, obviously, you know, I got to impress these guys. Man, if they come to my church and nobody's running around and jumping up and, you know, diving in the baptistry, you know, they're going to. Think I'm a compromiser, and so I start preaching and telling you all, if y'all are right with God, you're going to be doing at least one lap around the auditorium every Sunday. That would be wrong for me to do that, wouldn't it? And there are preachers out there that try to make their church members into something that they don't have to be, that God didn't call them to be. And you know, if you go to some of these black churches, okay, you know, there's they're a little more lively, I guess you could say. They like to do a lot more clapping and you know yelling and shouting. That you know they have a good time. I saw a video one time where there was there was a black fella in a church, and I guess there's there's a lot of videos of YouTube on him. But during offering, he comes up to the front before he puts his money in the offering. He does a pretty impressive dance. I mean, it's a dance I could never do. I could, I could never I could never do anything like that. And you know, when I watched that video, I didn't notice anything necessarily vulgar about the dance. And I do see in the Bible where it says praise Him with the timbrel and dance. But why don't we dance in church? You've ever thought about that? And I think the reason we don't dance in church is because our culture that we live 
in likes to dance, doesn't it? And the dancing that our culture does is not appropriate, is it? And chances are, if we started allowing this culture to dance in church, it would probably get bad real quick. It just it doesn't work. And so Baptists, we've always kind of been against the dancing because our culture, the you know outside culture, really likes to dance, and it's clearly wrong. And so we're we've always made sure not to bring it into church. And but it does say praise him with the temple and dance in the Bible, doesn't it? So you know I'm not going to go and make a huge deal because some other church or other culture maybe they do that type of dance in their church. Well, it does say that in the Bible. But at the same time, I'm just going to admit it to you, I don't like it. I, I really don't. If somebody got up here in church and did that, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably panic a little bit. And you know, if, I was, if it didn't get too out of line, I would probably after the service talk and say, hey, listen, you know, unless you're putting quite a bit of money in the offering, please, <laughs> please don't do that anymore. No, I, I wouldn't do that, but so it would be tempting. But... I'll admit it, I don't like it. One thing too that people like to fight about that's completely cultural is the music. Okay, All music is cultural. It really is. All music is cultural. Yes, I, I, I don't, or yes, there's some music that's bad. I don't believe that music is amoral. There are some people that said there's clearly some music said you got to use some common sense. You can, if you want to find out what music's good and what music's bad, all you have to do sometime is get a little kid in the room and turn the music on and watch what the kid does. And you can and you can tell there are certain types of music once it goes. I mean, there are certain ways that they move that it's like who taught you that? <laughs> Nobody did. It's just it appeals to the flesh in a bad way. And but at the same time, there's other music that is not bad. Okay, for example, some people go nuts if drums are ever involved in music, but not all drums are bad. Okay, now we're not going to get a drum set here because in our culture, when we see a drum set, what do we think of? Well, yeah, we think some rock and roll group. If I think of a drummer, I think of some long-haired, druggy-looking, you know, pothead guy, you know, just banging his head and you know, banging the drums. There's a lot of bad that's associated with it, and we get very uncomfortable. But yet, there's a proper way to play drums. Okay, I played the guitar in church this morning. There are some churches where the people will panic if they see a guitar. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the guitar, but at the same time, is it? You know, should I go around bashing, bashing churches that don't allow guitars in their church? Some cultures don't like it. They're uncomfortable. There are some churches that they sing a lot of opera type music. Stuff that would probably put you and me to sleep, but is it wrong? Not necessarily. And then you've got down south, you know, you got your southern gospel that up north gets a lot of people mad. But down south, said uh, the music's different down there. There are some people up north; they get uncomfortable if they just hear something like I've, I've the. If you've ever heard the Brady Rochester family, okay, they are as southern as all get out. And when they sing, they got a twang to their singing. But I don't think there's anything inappropriate about their music. But a lot of people would get all bent out of shape and they would like refer to that as maybe like country style music just because they're Southern. You know, that sounds like Hank Williams or something. You know why Hank Williams sang the way Hank Williams sang? 
Because Hank Williams was from a culture of people that sang like that. Sang real Southern. Brother Robert Powers, he goes to my dad's church. He's an older fellow and he's from the hills of West Virginia. And when he sings, he sings like somebody from the hills of West Virginia. Okay, why? That's the culture that he's from. Is it wrong? You know, when they sing, they do that little, you know, he sings like, he rolled them back, he rolled them back. You know, they kind of, that thing is a great song. But nothing wrong with that. But why does he sing it that way? That's a culture. He's from. And my, I remember my dad's church. Every once in a while, some of the girls from the bus route they would get up and they'd sing specials in church. And you would listen to these girls sing a song like "Jesus Loves Me," and you'd listen to them slurring and sliding them notes and things. And it was just like, you know, it, you, you could tell what they'd been listening to. You know, they'd been listening to Hannah Montana or whoever, and the culture they were from it kind of came over. But I believe they were singing from their heart. They were singing for the right reason. And the truth is. So I, I don't think, I don't believe that it was necessarily wrong. I don't believe there was a sin in what they were doing. So it, it depends on the culture that you come from. And many things that cause division today are things, and things that people are fighting about are things that are, just, they're completely cultural and not necessarily bad. And listen, you know, I don't. I don't believe it's wrong for somebody to try to preserve a culture. We read in the Bible about the Rechabites that in their culture they lived in tents. They didn't do take anything that came from grapes. Nothing at all. That was a part of their culture, and God commended them for it. There was nothing wrong with them doing that. But yet they they weren't going around forcing that on everybody else because God didn't command it for everybody. But it was something they did in their culture, and I believe that something you know that. We need to make sure that if we are going to take a stand against somebody, that we have a Bible reason for it. You know, most Baptists right now that are fighting with each other, if you look at the doctrinal statement of their two churches, they're basically identical. But they're fighting with each other over cultural things that they don't like. For example, you know, and they just don't like them. I don't like what I call, I call them the trendies. Okay? Most of them are guys that are my age. They're these young techie guys. They preach out of iPads. They, you know, they all mess their hair up. They all, you know, they all wear the exact same glasses. They're always talking, you know, they all talk with that, you know, wimpy voice. They're always talking about community, community, you know, just getting involved in the community, reaching out to the community, and and I can't stand it. Okay, I I don't like it one bit. It aggravates the tar out of me. But yet, you know, I don't see in the Bible where you have to do the comb over. Like I do, I, I can't get up here and say Jesus had a comb over. <laughs> I don't know how he did his hair. Why did I do my hair this way? Well, you don't have a whole lot of options when you have what I got here. But you know, it, it, it's what I do. You know, the way that we dress. I don't think the Apostle Paul dressed the way I'm dressed right now. Why am I? Why am I wearing what I'm wearing right now? Because of the culture that I'm from. With me, I don't go out in public. Wearing shorts. Okay? Now I see in the Bible where nakedness, you know, you've got to cover from the loins to the thighs. Okay? Most shorts guys wear today, they go down to the knees. They're not violating any biblical principle that I can see. So why don't I do it? I'll tell you why. Because I was born in 1980. I grew up in a Baptist preacher's home who was around from the 70s and 80s. And back then, the Baptists were all preaching against shorts. You know why? 
Because they were really short back then, weren't they? They were showing nakedness back then. They were totally inappropriate. And you know, even though now people aren't really wearing them like that for the most part, I'm just still not comfortable doing it. It's, it's still shorts to me. I, I'd rather, I'd just rather not do it. Why? Because of the culture that I'm from. Amish people, when they get saved, they usually still dress really conservative after they get saved, don't they? Why? They still hang on to a little bit of that culture. It's just, and you know, and I don't think we ought to criticize them for it. If I went to Scotland, okay, I'm not wearing a kilt. Because in my culture, that's a skirt. And mainly men don't wear skirts. The kind that do, I'd rather not be anywhere near. But over there, you know, Scotland, they think they're as manly as anybody. You know, they, they think they're the toughest and most manly, but they're wearing a skirt in my culture. And I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just, I'm not comfortable with it. And we live in a country today that's got many different cultures. And even amongst churches, there are many different cultures. And listen, unless we can prove from the scriptures that what that culture is doing is wrong, then we probably should just leave them alone. We don't have to do that. Okay? I'm not saying we've gotta, you know, try to mix these cultures, but I mean, really, if we're, if we're honest, the you know the fundamental Baptists like we are today, you know we we're our own culture that's very Americanized, aren't we? I mean, you know, a Baptist, we're real big on. I'm proud to be an American. I'm glad we live in the greatest country on earth. Bless God. You know, I still, I just, boy, every time I see old glory, I just, you know, I get a lump in my throat when I hear that Star Spangled Banner sung. I just get all excited. Do you think Paul? You know, well, I'm glad that I'm from the nation of Israel. I'm glad I'm from the you know the chosen country that I've I've had the privilege of spending time in Jerusalem, the city that God chose to put His name there. I'm so he, he didn't do, he didn't do that. He didn't make a big deal about that in the Bible, but we do in Baptist churches today. Why? I mean, and I'm not I'm not trying to bash America right now. But I mean, if I was to say something like, I'm ashamed to be an American, well, I'd get a lot of people mad at me. Oh, how could you say that? Well, have you seen what our country's doing lately? Have you seen the president that we've elected twice? Have you seen the laws that our Congress is passing? Republicans and Democrats? I, have you... Heard about all the abortions that have been going on in this country? Do you see the news media and Hollywood, the things that are promoting and that are making millions and successful? I mean, I mean, we live in a society here in our own town and all over our country. We've got movie theaters that are playing basically pornographic movies where that everybody goes and watches, and it's being celebrated and being awarded, and everybody's talking like it's great and wonderful. Even our churches are falling for all this garbage and just getting so worldly. And I, I see in the Bible we're supposed to be looking for that heavenly country. I see in the Bible where we are citizens of that heavenly country, and we're just strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. So why do they do that in churches? It's a cultural thing. You know, it, being patriotic and all that, it's something that we've always done and always been a big deal. And sometimes we don't know when to let go of certain things. And, 
Unfortunately, and unfortunately, I believe, and it shouldn't be this way. I don't believe this is a cultural thing at all. But I think one of the things that's hurt in a lot of churches is the whole King James Bible thing has become a cultural thing. And the reason a lot of people, I believe, are going away from King James Bible is they don't like our culture. And our culture has some issues, doesn't it? Okay, I'm talking about as Baptists. You know, we get. We get pretty ornery sometimes, don't we? There's a lot of things that we do that lost people wouldn't understand. And we do. We like to get in your face. And it's like there's contests among a lot of Baptists on who's more King James. I believe the King James is the inspired Word of God. Well, I believe the King James Bible is even more inspired than the original translations. You know, and I believe it's double inspired. Well, I believe it's triple. You know, I mean, I believe you can only get saved if you were given the plan of salvation out of a King James Bible, and we just act like idiots sometimes about the whole thing. And other people look at that and say, "I can't stand that King James culture." You know, I'm going to use some of the other Bibles, and just like there's things that I don't do because of certain cultures that I don't like. I mean, if I see something that all the gay people are wearing. I'm not going to wear that just because I don't like them. Just because I don't like I don't like the culture, I'm not going to do it. And maybe even with the culture that's not necessarily bad, I don't like French people. And when I was reading about the origin of the necktie, and I heard it kind of originated in France, I started thinking, I think this might need to go. <laughs> I don't like the French. And you think that's terrible? How could you say that? I'm just being honest. There are some cultures that I don't I don't like. Am I saying that they're, it's all evil? That it's all bad? No, I'm saying I don't like it. I like southern people. I don't like northern people most of the time. You know, they're, I don't like city people. Suburbanites. All snobby, think they're better than everybody. Just all, all of them on all their medication that they're all on for their depression and things. And What am I doing? I'm stereotyping them, aren't I? I'm stereotyping them. Why? Because... I don't like them. And a lot of times it's because we don't know them. And just a final example. So there's a lot more I haven't even got into. We might cover more of this next week. But I remember one time back when I did cabinets, we did a lot of work in the, in the Chicago area in the city. And we were, in, um, we were doing some work in one of these big, huge buildings that had all of the condos and things in it. And the parking was this underground parking area. And it was kind of creepy down there. And I remember I went down there and... Uh, we, you know, we went up to the room, did some stuff. They needed me to get some stuff out of the car, some tools and things. And so I went down and I had like two big heavy toolboxes in my hands. And all of a sudden, this Mexican fellow come walking up to me that was kind of gangstery looking. And he comes walking up to me. He, just, he comes approaching me. And I, I'm holding all this stuff. And I'm getting real nervous. Okay, and I, at the, I hadn't been around the city very much, and I wasn't used to the city. And he came and he walked right up to me and got right in my face. And I was all ready to drop that toolbox and, and start swinging. I thought about using the toolbox. Thought this will hurt. You know, if I, if I hit him with this, because I started thinking I was going to get mugged. And he got right in my face. He's like, and I was like, what? And he's like, Hey man, do you know where they take the cars when they get towed? So I had no idea, and I just walked away. And I, I remember I went and I told him, I told the guy I worked for up there about it, and I was just like, yeah, he just got around my face. And he's like, you know, that's just kind of how they do it around here. That's how the, he said that's how that culture is. Whenever they talk to you, they like to get right up in your face. 
I was like, oh, I didn't like that. I, I didn't like that, but I, apparently I, it was a cultural thing. If I would have understood their culture, I wouldn't have been so scared. That, you know, I wouldn't have thought about hitting that guy before he'd even done anything. You know, I was stereotyped and didn't I? And I did it wrong. You know, because I didn't understand the culture. And sometimes there's things that we just don't understand about cultures. Things that we can understand. You know, and there are things about our culture that people aren't going to understand. And we've got to make sure that we don't make a bigger deal about our culture than we're supposed to. That we make a big deal about the Bible. If we're going to fight about something, it needs to be doctrinal. And I'm hearing preachers all the time, they're all fighting with each other on Twitter and stuff all the time and having these camp meetings and things where they all bash these other groups all the time and nobody brings up doctrine. They all talk about culture the whole time. And you're not going to win the argument that way. It's just not going to work. That's not what we're supposed to be fighting about. If they're bringing things into the culture that's unbiblical, like those Jews did, making the works of the law a part of salvation, legalism, that was something to fight about, wasn't it? That was something Paul should have stood up to Peter and said something to him about it because that was wrong. He was he was to be blamed. But if it's just something... Oh, those people, they sing with a twang. Well, they sing with a twang because they're southern. Okay? You know, that would be like us getting mad at somebody from Scotland singing with a Scottish accent and rolling his R's or something. Reading. You hear how they roll their R's? That's wicked. Uh, We shouldn't be doing that in our music. Why would somebody do that? Maybe they just don't like Scottish people. They don't don't like that accent. And unfortunately, one of the reasons I believe many churches are failing to preserve their culture and pass it on to the next generation is they are not teaching doctrine. Many Bible colleges today are promoting a culture and not teaching Bible doctrine. And guys don't know why they believe what they believe, and that's why they're getting influenced by these other cultures that have are doing things that are unbiblical. Because they don't you know, they don't know where they stand. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And we've got to make sure our stands are biblical, not just cultural. I'm not saying if we have, that our culture here is necessarily bad. It's fine as long as it's biblical. But there's going to be people around that are different. There are some preachers that yell and scream. There are some that are totally monotone and talk really slow and boring. Is that wrong? It's not my cup of tea. I don't like it, but I'm not going to go bashing those people. So, with that, I want us all to stand together.